to the main event. Totally random. Totally random sports show. Here's your host, Sean Lincoln. Y'all ready for this? Hello, this is episode 9 of the Totally Random Sports Show. I am Sean Lincoln. Not a giant week in sports this week, but lots to talk about. We'll go over the most recent news in the NFL, NHL, and NBA, as well as we'll do a CFL playoff preview and break down the East and West semifinals by position. All that and more on this week's episode of the Totally Random Sports Show. Thank you for joining us once again on the Totally Random Sports Show. Uh, not a ton of news this week, but still a lot to talk about. i got to start back with the CFL. Uh, i just start with a couple quick news items for the CFL, and then we'll move on to the playoff previews. First of all, Bomber season mercifully comes to an end. They lost to Calgary in their last game. Another loss by three points. That, makes, that gives the Bombers their ninth loss by four points or under. And just mercifully, the season comes to an end for them. I'm not too worried about the Bombers. I hope they don't do a ton during the offseason. I think they have all the pieces in place. And hopefully they just leave it and the team can perform a little better next year. You know, one-score games, I really think, are luck. One play either way could change it completely. And, you know, that's the same for their wins that were close. But... In a one-score game, one bounce could lose you or win you that game. So I don't put a lot of stock in those. And with nine losses by under three point or by four points or less, it's hard to really say this team was a terrible team this year, as bad as their record was. But when facts come to facts, they couldn't get the win when they needed it, and that really hurt them. So they look forward to next year, though. And just something else I wanted to mention from that Calgary game: Jesse Lumsden gets hurt again. Big surprise, eh? He'll require surgery on his left knee, and his season is over. Jesse Lumsden didn't get picked up until, I think, about week 12 or 13. Because teams were worried about his injury situation, he's been injured constantly since coming into this league. This is just one more in that line of injuries, so I don't expect to see him back in the league, honestly. He cannot make it through a season. The last story that really affects this week's playoffs, uh, over in the West, Saskatchewan played Edmonton. Now, going into this these, this last week, BC and Edmonton had the same record. Edmonton had the tiebreaker, though. So they only needed either a win or a BC loss to clinch. 
and they could not get either of these. They went into Saskatchewan, lost 31-23, and BC walked into Hamilton and in a really good game squeaked out a 23-21 win. So BC gets the playoff spot in the last week, heartbreaking for Edmonton, but they just couldn't really perform. BC's been clutched the last few weeks and grabbed their playoff spot. So that rolls us right into it. We'll go into Lions Riders. This is the West semifinal. Winner plays the Calgary Stampeders. The Lions go in at 8 and 10. The Riders go in at 10 and 8. The Riders won the season series 2 to 1. And they are the home team here. They have sold out all their home games this year, over 30,000 and are 7 and 2 at home. So I think that is a huge factor is that home crowd for Saskatchewan. Anyways, at the quarterback position, you have Travis Lule and Darian Durant. Darian Durant really has shown his worth this year. Just has been really good, thrown the ball a ton, and made a lot of plays. Both these quarterbacks have had a little bit of turnover issues, and will have to you know hold on to the ball and secure it. I think if either quarterback throws... You know, two picks or so, that's going to be the end for their team. So uh, that's what I would watch there. Is I wouldn't be surprised if they are relatively equal. They can both run the ball quite well. But it's going to be the turnovers that are going to make the difference in the quarterback position. Uh, running back, we have Wes Cates and Jamal Robertson. Wes Cates, look for him to have a huge game. BC, not a great run defense. West Cates ran for over a thousand yards this year, very quietly, but he get he eats up yards quite well. Jamal Robinson for BC, not a huge running uh, running back. BC hasn't run the ball all that much this year, so he is he has been more of a pass catcher and uh, catches a ton of passes out of the backfield. So I think Saskatchewan wins the run side of this game. Receiving cores, uh, Saskatchewan has Andy Fatus, Weston Dressler, Chris Getzlav, and Preche Rodriguez. Uh, their normal Rob Bag is out for the season, and I think that hurts. Uh, they go up against BC's G-Roy Simon and Paris Jackson. G-Roy Simon is one of the best that has ever played the game, and Paris Jackson, you know, he's a very good receiver as well. I think this Saskatchewan core is just too good, though. I said a few weeks ago they were the best core in the league, and I am not taking that out. Even with the loss of Rob Begg, they are still terrific. Look for them to just make huge plays. So i got to go Saskatchewan again on the receiving core. Defense-wise, Saskatchewan has Baron Simpson, who led the league in tackles with 104. Saskatchewan has a pretty good defense against the run and the pass. I think they look good against... I think they match up good against this BC team. BC, on the other hand, not bad defending the pass. It's defending the run where they're going to get into a lot of issues. They gave up an average of just about 138 run yards a game. And that's way too much. If they can't stop West Cates' run, they're going to be in huge trouble here. So, again, i got to give it to Saskatchewan. Last but not least, special teams. Returners here are Ryan Grice Mullen for BC. and Or for Saskatchewan, sorry. And Jonas Davis, the huge BC newcomer who's just been sensational this last, you know, seven or eight weeks. 
I think he's the wild card in all this. If he can get good returns for BC and put them in field position consistently and even score a touchdown or two, BC's got a real good chance in this game. So a lot on Jonas Davis. Uh, and they also have Paul McCallum kicking, and he's just been terrific this year. Up uh, around 88%, I think, kicking. So real good. Uh, the rider side of the ball, they lost Luca Kanji a few weeks ago to injury. So they'll be playing with a backup kicker and punter. Both have looked good in the last couple weeks, but you never know in the playoff game. So special teams, you have to give the edge to BC. Overall, though, I think the Riders have the better quarterback, running back, receiving core, and defense. I think they come out of this game pretty easily, especially with their crowd behind them. We all know how good that Saskatchewan crowd is. And I think they'll show it again. They're just going to cause havoc on that BC team. You saw what happened to BC in the overtime game in Winnipeg on Thanksgiving. When the crowd really got on them, they had, you know, the three penalties there. And that's going to be nothing compared to a full house in Saskatchewan who's going to make that kind of noise on every play. So I'm worried about BC here. We'll move over to the east now. The Toronto Argos are 8-9, and nine, are visiting the Hamilton Tiger Cats at 9-8 and eight for the chance to go to the East Final against Montreal. Uh, Hamilton won the season series 3 to nothing, and we're 5-4 and four this year at home. Uh, the quarterback position is Kevin Glenn for Hamilton and Cleo Lemon for the Toronto Argonauts. Kevin Glenn wins this one far and above. Cleo Lemon had a decent last week. They came off a huge 30-4 win with Montreal. So that's pretty good. But they're playing against a B team for Montreal. I'm not worried. Cleo Lemon, I think, will be quiet. He's not just he's just not a great throwing quarterback. Kevin Glenn, on the other hand, has had a great year throwing the ball. He's been suspect a few times near the end of the game. I think he's a good thrower. You know, he's taken a team into the Grey Cup before with the Toronto or with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 2002. He's got the experience, and I go with Kevin Glenn in this matchup. Running backs, we have Corey Boyd and DeAndre Cobb, both good running backs. Corey Boyd is just strong as heck. He'll run over you in a second. DeAndre Cobb is more small and will just juke you out of your socks. Corey Boyd's had some injury problems this year, and I think that could be a problem. But if he comes into this game relatively healthy, I give the edge to Corey Boyd here. Great running back and a real good find for this Toronto team. Receiving cores, we have Arlen Bruce, Dave Stahl, Maurice Mann for the Halton Tiger Cats. Beyond Jermaine Copeland for Toronto, do they really have much else? And I think that's a problem for Toronto. You know, I... You know Hamilton will put the big guys on Jermaine Copeland. And I worry. I already worry about Cleo Lemon throwing the ball, and now you got to worry about who he's throwing to. So Toronto's attack will be mostly on the ground, and that's probably good for them. On defense, we have two teams that uh, give up a good amount of yards a game. The Ticats D, led by Otis Floyd, give up an average of 300 pass yards and 25 points a game. Not good and uh, they'll really have to close that pass yards, which I think they will. I don't think Cleo Lemon's the kind of guy who's going to throw for 300 yards. So I think 
Hamilton has an advantage on defense here. The Argos gave up 388 overall yards a week. They've been known for their strong defense in past years. Not as great this year, but also not terrible. So we'll see how it performs and if it can hold the Hamilton offense. Uh, special teams, you have two ridiculously good returners in this game. Marcus Thigpen for Hamilton and Chad Owens for Toronto. Both very capable of breaking a run. And I think this is where the game's going to be won and lost between these two. Whoever has a worse, whoever has a better game here, their team will win the game. I expect at least one receiving touchdown, you know, or one return touchdown. These two are just terrific. And that's what I go to. I think this is going to be a pretty solid game. It's going to be tight. But I think the return game is going to have a lot to do with it. Whoever wins the field position battle, and if anyone can get points from their special teams, that's going to be the difference in this game. Anyways, that's it for CFL. Uh, I'm going to move on to the NHL and debut my new segment. It is the good, the bad, and the ugly of the NHL from this past week. I'm going to start with the good here. I'll give a good to the Montreal trade of Halak this summer. Uh, it's worked out great for both teams. Montreal is third in the East, 8-5-1. Uh, Carey Price has been the guy. Uh, a lot of people, especially in Montreal, were worried he was getting booed in the preseason. And they were worried he wouldn't be able to carry the load. He has struggled in the past, but he's played really well this year. And the games where he has given up goals, he's been left alone a lot. So, good for Carey Price. Uh, he's 7-5-1 with a 9-11 save percentage and a 2.5 goals against average. Not too bad for any of his things. On the other end, St. Louis is first in the West. At 9-1-2, real surprising team. It's real good to see it. And uh, Yaroslav Halak has, is 8-1-1. One one. He has been just unbelievable. He has a 9.44 save percentage and a goals against average of just 1.46. So he's just been terrific. So I'm really glad this trade has worked out for both teams. Halak and Price have played great, and it just... Makes everyone look pretty good here, and it's nice to see both those teams near the top of their conferences. My next good, Andre Pavlik. Of course, the Thrasher's goaltender who collapsed back on the opening night of the NHL. Caused a lot of worry back then. He has returned to the ice. Unfortunately, uh, lost both games this week. But he returned to the ice, and just good to see him back and hopefully healthy. And the last good I'm going to go to is Steven Stamkos. This kid has been unbelievable. He has 11 goals, 11 assists in the first 13 games. His 22 points leads the league. And he also has five power play goals, which also leads the league. He has been just unbelievable. And this kid's really showing that he's for real. It's a good big plus to Steven Stamkos. He had a rough, you know... Rough start to his career, but the last couple of years, he's really just been terrific, and it's good to see. Uh, I really like that kid and hope he keeps it up. I'm going to move on to the bad this week. Jordan Stahl, who's missed the whole season so far with a foot injury, returned to his full, first full contact team practice for Pittsburgh this, this week, and what do you know it? He gets hit by a puck and breaks his hand. Jordan Stahl will be out at least another six to eight weeks with his broken hand. 
uh, really just rough for him. He's a real good player, and it's hard to see him not playing. And Pittsburgh could really use him. They're not having a great year themselves. And Jordan Stahl is a big part of that. You know, he's not always scoring goals, but he's one of their most important role players. He can score goals. He's a great penalty killer. And Pittsburgh really needs him back. So this is going to be a rough another two months for them. Second bat, I'm going to go to GM meetings this week for, in, for the NHL. Usually good for trade talk, stuff like that. There's talk about introducing a challenge into the NHL, much in the way NFL players, NFL coaches have the option. This is so stupid. This comes on the heels of a, Col of a Toronto Maple Leafs Florida Panthers game where Colton Orr for Toronto just absolutely ran over Florida's goaltender, Thomas Fokun. I believe it's Thomas Fokun. Just ran over the goaltender and ended up putting the puck in the empty net. Um, I don't think the cure for this is a challenge. I don't want to see NHL coaches throwing a challenge flag. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, especially on this particular goal. You know, one of, the, one of the four refs out there has to see this and mention it. I don't care if it's a linesman after the play. Whatever. It's just stupid that nobody saw that play and could wave off that goal but it's not as dumb as this proposed challenge system you can't bring challenges into the NHL it just goes way too far I don't even mind um, if they do it a little like the CFL does it in the last three minutes there send all of them to control send every goal into the control room in Toronto you know and let them call for a challenge if they want or not even a challenge. Call for a review if they want. I think that's the best way to do it. Don't even have, you know, challenges. Just if Toronto thinks it should be reviewed, then review it from there, call it in, and there you go. But the challenge is not what I want to see in this league. On to the ugly. This should be the fun part. Start with stars being suspended. Both Daniel Briere and Joe Thornton were suspended this week. Briere got three games for a cross-check to the face. Uh, just a real dirty play. Uh, he did. He has had a stick infraction a couple years ago, so that made him a repeat offender, which got him the three games. And this was just ugly. You know, off a of face-off, just got his stick right up into the face. I'm not sure who it was. But it's just not smart and a stupid, stupid play. So I'm glad he got suspended here. I would have even liked to see him suspended a couple more games. But three games isn't bad, and I'm glad he got that suspension. Joe Thornton, meanwhile, was suspended for one of these blindside hits. This one I'm not as sure about. The player he hit had the puck, and I know that's not the rule in today's NHL. But I don't really know if he was... He definitely wasn't behind him. And he almost looked to be parallel with him. I just think the guy didn't see him coming. The problem here is Joe Thornton, it did look like he targeted the head. He hit all head. You've got to be more careful when a guy's in a vulnerable position like that. You know, aim for his shoulder, aim for, you know, his midsection. It's not hard to miss it. Or it's not hard to avoid his head. So that's my opinion on his suspension. The second ugly this week, and this could really be a good depending how you look at it, but the Phoenix Coyotes. Wednesday's game 
against the Predators. They had tickets going for as low as $6 and still didn't even get halfway to a sellout. This is ridiculous. Their first four home games this year, they did great in their first game. They gave out just over 17,000 tickets. Since then, 6,700, 8,100, and 8,100 again. I also, that's just the first four. I think their fifth game was under 7,000 again. That first game, that first four game total goes to a total of 40,000, just over 40,000 tickets sold this year. That is absolutely awful. And I guess they're doing way worse than last year, as last year, 45,000 through their first four games. But this is embarrassing for an NHL team that can't draw, you know, over eight and a half thousand. They're consistently getting in the eight and six thousand range, and that is awful. Looking at it from a Winnipeg point of view, though, good. I don't know. Every time I see a low crowd at Phoenix, I'm just happy. Because they're continuing to lose money. And every week we're hearing less and less about proposed owner Matthew Holzer. Uh, you don't know if he's disappeared. You know, this was supposed to be a done deal two weeks ago. And we still haven't heard any more about it. So, you know, it's getting to look more and more likely. I think, what, we're 47 days away from the deadline the NHL gave the Phoenix Coyotes to sell this team. If they don't sell by the deadline, that was technically supposed to be mean that the Phoenix Coyotes are moving. And Winnipeg does look like the most likely candidate right now. Um, I don't want to get into all this speculation. You see a lot of it, and it's rough. You know, there was the speculation about the Atlanta Thrashers coming here a couple years ago. I don't really want to get into all that, but you have to look at that it's possible. And especially the way this team is not only performing, but is drawing fans. We might be seeing NHL hockey in Winnipeg sooner than people think. That's something to stay tuned for. And we shall see. So that's it for my NHL covers this week. Move into a little NFL quickly. First up. Brett Favre starts his 293rd consecutive start. And does anyone else see a comparison here between Brett Favre and Tony Montana and Scarface? You know the scene where Tony Montana's on the stairs and he just seems to get shot a thousand times and he just doesn't stop? This is like Brett Favre. He just gets hurt, gets injured every week, something new, and he comes back and plays. This week he pulls out an incredible comeback and the Viking win 27-24. And Favre sets a career high with 446 yards passing. Like... Just when you think this guy's done, and I had a big rant about him last week, but just when you think he's done, he comes out and has a game like this. Terrific two-minute drill, tied the game. You know, just like that, I can't say he shouldn't be playing anymore. So, just that guy is just ridiculous to see playing. Brad Childress, though, is was reportedly going to be fired no matter... No matter how this game turned out, uh, the Minnesota coach has had a little bit of trouble in the last couple of years. He was looked to be fired at the start of last year before bringing in Brett Favre. And Brett Favre, I think, really saved his career there. This was on a report 
according to ESPN. So it's a good report saying he should be could be fired. And I guess we'll just wait and see. On other coaches being fired, Wade Phillips for the Dallas Cowboys, you have to think, is a ticking time bomb. They're 1-7 after their loss to the Packers this week, and they just got dummied. They lost 45-7. to There's a big play where the Dallas receiver had the ball, looked to be down, fumbled, and Green Bay brought it back. Looking on the replay, the Dallas player was clearly down, not even close, but Wade Phillips had already used his timeouts and could not challenge. So just more bad coaching decisions, you know. I, I know there's reasons for the timeouts, but you got to have your time at least a timeout for a situation like this because that could have easily taken those seven points off the board. In the grand scheme of things, didn't really matter, though. This Dallas team is reeling. Just can't get a win now after losing Tony Romo. They're just in trouble, and I don't think Wade Phillips will make it to the end of the year. Another sort of miserable team, the Buffalo Bills, still winless after a heartbreaking 22-19 loss to Chicago. This game took place in Toronto at Rogers Center, where they had a pretty good crowd. I don't know if this is smart for for Buffalo. They are 0-3 in Toronto all time, but I guess they don't really seem to win anywhere. Being said, they are trying to get more games in Toronto for next year. Uh, Rogers Center is in negotiations with the Buffalo Bills. So, might see more games in Toronto in the next couple years. Another NFL thing I want to talk about is the Cleveland Browns, who in the last three weeks have beaten New New England by over 20 points, that was this week, and New Orleans by over 20 points. So they've improved to three and five. Really impressive, you know, that they get these huge wins. Everyone was sort of counting out Cleveland. They're, they weren't a very good team, but they came out in you know close weeks and just absolutely dominate. I don't really think they have a shot at the division. You, both Pittsburgh and Baltimore are in that division with a six and two and five and two record, respectively. So I don't really think they're going to be able to come and make a charge. But at least it's good for Cleveland fans that get to see big wins like this. They are next at Pittsburgh, so you never know if they can win that game. It's a huge step. It's a two-gamer. So we'll see what happens, but I really don't think they have a shot. But it's just fun to watch this team, a young team, and they're making a go at it. Last story, uh, kind of a funny one. A restaurant in Minneapolis called Tanucci's is willing to give free lunch this next week to anyone who turns in a Randy Moss jersey. This comes after the star wide receiver, apparently at a catered event for the Minnesota Vikings, criticized this food, walked out, didn't eat any. So the restaurant is going to give free food to anyone who will bring in their Moss jersey and give it away. So, kind of an interesting idea. I like it. Speaking of Randy Moss, he was picked up by the Tennessee Titans this week. Interesting, he is the... That is the only team that put a claim on Randy Moss. Thought there was a lot of teams out there that would put a claim on him. I know uh, he's a trouble in the locker room. And he is an aging superstar. He doesn't quite have the skill that he always used to. That being said, though, he is a deep threat no matter what. And I think more than catching the ball, he makes your other receivers better. 
because teams are always having one or two guys on Randy Moss. In the past, Randy Moss would still make the catches, but now he's just creating openings for other receivers. So I was surprised that nobody picked him up except Tennessee. But I think he's a good fit in Tennessee with that whole that whole team style. I really like the Tennessee Titans, and uh, I think this is really good for them. So that's all for NFL. I'll move on to a little bit of NBA news. Not as much NBA news as I have more Heat talk. The Miami Heat lose again this week to the New Orleans Hornets. The Hornets just dominated this whole game. The Heat were behind quite a bit all game, down 12 at half, and uh, really started to make their comeback in the fourth quarter. They took their first lead of the game with under a minute left. Down four, though, with 13 seconds left. Who do you go to when you need a three-pointer? Well, they went to Chris Bosh in this situation. Put the three-pointer in. So they're within one. Uh, fouled. New Orleans hit two free throws. So they're up three. So the Heat need a three. Six seconds on the clock. You're thinking, you know, who are they going to give to? This is what everyone was thinking about before the season. Do you go to Dwayne Wade? Do you go to LeBron James? The inbound goes to Wade. So you're thinking, oh, they made their decision. Wade passes to Eddie House. So, wait a minute. When the Heat need a big bucket, it's Eddie House they're going to? I was shocked when I saw this. Eddie House isn't even really the best shooter. He's been pretty terrible this year, if anything. And they go to him for a last-second three. I just don't get it. Uh, New Orleans yet to win 96-93. The Heat seem to have trouble with a good point guard. This could be their kryptonite this year. Both Rajon Rondo from the Boston Celtics who beat them, and now Chris Paul, two of the premier point guards in the league. Chris Paul may be even better the way he shoots. Rondo had, I think, 17 assists. Chris Paul left with 18 or 19 assists. A good point guard has been tearing the heat up this year. They have nobody that can cover him. And Chris Paul was just dishing, giving it to anyone, and just getting easy, easy baskets. Even him himself making good shots. So I'm worried about this heat team when they play good point guards. There's not a ton of them that I think can really tear it up in the league, but there are a few that if... Miami doesn't figure something out. They're going to keep losing to these good point guards who just tear them up. That being said, New Orleans, great start for them. Really came out firing. They are undefeated. Them and the Lakers are both still undefeated. Both teams looking really good and dominating their games. So, in a season that was supposed to be dominated by the Miami Heat, we're seeing a lot of other teams really looking good this year. That's all I really had for NBA. Not really that exciting of a week in the NBA last thing I want to talk about this week leave it to last, nobody was really interested in it, the World Series ended on Monday, San Francisco beat Texas uh, 3-1 in game 5 to win the World Series 4-1 in games 
really just not a fun World Series this year. Not a lot of coverage, not a lot of media, and just not a lot of people really into it, surprisingly. Uh, it could be that it's two more smaller market MLB franchises. I'm not really sure, but it was just kind of a boring series. San Francisco dominated from game one. You know, no one just no one really cared about the baseball season. Not surprising. I don't I don't even know if I watched more than two or three innings of any of these games. World Series M- MVP was the S- San Francisco shortstop Edgar Renteria. Six RBIs, two home runs. He had a 4-12 batting average. So, you know, pretty impressive there. And he should be should be proud of that effort. It really made a big difference. Uh, surprised I didn't see Tim Lincecum, but he didn't pitch anything special in this World Series. He really got them there, which is good. So, yep, San Francisco is your World Series champions. Uh, free agency starts right away. Big names this year. Cliff Lee, Carl Crawford, Adam Dunn. Do we even pay attention or do we just assume all these guys are going to the Yankees? Cliff Lee, it seems almost certain. We've been saying that for a few weeks, that Cliff Lee is probably going to go to the Yankees. Also, Carl Crawford is rumored to be going to the Yankees. You know, I, uh, I don't see them picking up Adam Dunn, a little bit of joke there. But at least those two, I think you have a good shot of seeing them with the Yankees in their whole let's buy everyone routine. So that's it for MLB. That's it for the show, basically. The Monday nighter this week is Cincinnati-Pittsburgh. Not really all that interesting. Pittsburgh should come out and dominate. Cincinnati just has not been the team anyone expected this year. Carson Palmer has not been the quarterback that was expected this year with all the weapons he has. So, Pittsburgh, easy in a walk. Rossberger will have no problem. Uh, He'll eat up this defense. So, that's it for the show this week. Wanted to self-promote a couple things. As normal, the Twitter, Oilcan10, go on there, fall. We have updates every day or so. The Facebook page, become a fan. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you want to hear on the show. That is facebook.com slash totallyrandomsportsshow. Uh, you can like it. Uh, thanks for listening to the show again. See you all next week. This has been the Totally Random Sports Show. I am Sean Lincoln. See you all later. It's hard. Drop it like it's hard. Drop it like it's hard. The pigs try to get at you. Walk it like it's hard.